All right, why don't we make our way back to our seats? Welcome everyone this morning. My name is Pastor Rich Lee, Pastor here, and I want to welcome our guests. Thank you for coming out today. A lot of places you could have came, but you came here this morning. But you came on yes. a good day. Yes. We have a special speaker that's going to um, just really rock us with the gospel. Amen. How many are ready for that? Amen. I want to welcome, you don't have to get up yet, Pastor JR and Sylvia Ruiz. They're our senior pastors in our family church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. If you know what I know about Albuquerque, New Mexico, that's where the, the real balloon fest is. Yes, right. When they, they have it for 10 days, it doesn't rain, it isn't windy, and they keep bragging about it. Then we have it this week, and it rained, and it was windy. So I'm going to go there and hang out with them when it really happens. So, but really, this, this couple is really a gift from God to me and Miss Donna. Known them for over 14 years. They've been married for 39 years. Isn't that amazing? And I uh, met them... Uh, Back in 2002, I want to just share a quick story. I met Pastor Jr. I was in my office. I'd just been installed as the associate pastor here, and uh, you know, you meet somebody. They should the first thing should say hello. But I met. He said hello, and then he just rebuked me twice within 20 minutes. I'll tell you what he did. It was, I'll never forget it. Came in my office, and I had this little desk. And they told me, you need to get a bigger desk. And I'm like, ah, I'm okay with the little desk, and it's really this small. I'm sitting here in the corner. And he came in and he says, uh, look, you need to stop. You need to go get a bigger desk and stop being so prideful. Go get that big desk. I said, yes, sir. Nice to meet you. <laughs> then he sat in the office and told me, well, that's a nice um, jacket you got. And I started explaining who I got it from, how much it costs. Then he rebuked me again. Look, do you, ever, do you never, never, ever apologize for your blessing? Come on, come on. I said, yes, sir. So I knew we were friends ever since. <laughs> and then I didn't know Miss Sylvia until I went to a conference one time, our regional conferences, and I heard the, this, the singing was going on. Then I heard this beautiful voice. I couldn't see where it was coming from. And I looked, I said, who is that? They should be on the stage. And I looked out, and there was Miss Sylvia just singing out. And I'm like, how come she's not on the stage? She's making them look bad. <laughs> but they're an amazing couple, and they are a gift to us and Miss Don, but it's also a gift uh, to Grace Point Church. And Pastor Jerry, why don't you come on up, and Thank you, Pastor we're Pastor. ready for you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Love you, brother. <clears throat> so uh, we, uh, we have lived in, uh, in Albuquerque now for 16 years. We moved there in 2000 and started our church in, uh, on Easter Sunday, 2001. And uh, <clears throat> anytime that I get an opportunity to come back to Texas, I take it. Uh, and so um, there's a lot of things about Texas that I do miss. I miss the people. I do. I mean, Texas people are the friendliest people on the planet. And so I miss the people. I, what I don't miss is all the pollen and stuff in your air. <clears throat> I do not miss that. I mean, my voice last night, I was with the, with the college students out at, uh, in Brownwood. And by the way, we had an amazing moment. You have phenomenal young people over there, really a blessing. I mean, the church is in good hands. I'm just telling you, the future looks good for us. And so I was, <clears throat> I was with them, and, you know, they, they'd like for you to get loud. And so I got loud. And so this morning I woke up, and Sylvia asked me, she said, how are you doing? I said, I don't know. I might have to interpret and dance my message. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But it's a blessing and an honor to be with you guys. We are your spiritual family. Uh, we are uh, an Evernation church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, <clears throat> Sylvia and I have a long history with Grace Point. Uh, we actually, our very first time here was when Pastor Kevin York was the pastor. Yeah. 
Um, so that's how back our history goes with you guys. And so it's, it's just uh, being here again and just being with Pastor Rich, is, is, it's an honor. Um, <clears throat> you know, when, when I think about, uh, about you guys, this is what I know that God is, is going to do and is, is doing a great thing, is I love, absolutely love the diversity of the spiritual family. I love it. I love the diversity of the spiritual family. I love the diversity of the every nation family. Isn't that amazing, everybody? We're just a diverse family. We got people from everywhere, from every walk. I love that that's the way God has chosen to make us and to model us so that we can be a model for this world and let them know that we are a spiritual family. Amen. 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 So <clears throat> one of the things that I tell my church back, back at home is I like some talk back. Yeah. I like some talk back. I like people to talk back to me. And so, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we're diverse as well in Albuquerque. Um, our, our church is diverse. The only thing is that Albuquerque is about uh, 48% Hispanic and, uh, and about, um, I think it's like 46% uh, uh, Anglo and about 1.5% African American. I know. They're all, you guys are all over here. We need some of you to move to, to Albuquerque. And uh, so... But the good thing is our church reflects that. So praise God for that. Amen. Uh, so anyway, I, 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 wanna, I always want to make my church real diverse, and I want to teach them a little bit of response back, kind of the way I like it. Yeah. And so uh, <clears throat> when I was growing up, um, we had these, we, we knew some of our friends, you know, that uh, they never did anything. They just, whenever they saw something, they would just kind of just point at it. Several years ago, I visited my brother-in-law's music store in San Marcos, Texas, and uh, he, he used the phrase, and I was going, why is he using that phrase? And he said, look, he said, There's, there, there comes, this was his phrase, there comes some watch us. And I said, some what? He said, some watch us. I said, what are watch us? Now, in Tex-Mex, when you say watcha, you're going like, look, or you, you see something. And so he goes, they don't buy anything. They just come in and go, watcha, 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 watcha. <clears throat> so now, now I tell my church, listen, when you, hold, when you hear the Holy Spirit say something to you, I want you to go, watcha, watcha, look at the Holy Ghost do something. So now you know a little bit of that. Amen, everybody. Well, uh, listen, I want to I talk to you, and, and I want to be very mindful of your time, and I know we got a second service coming up, but I do want to talk to you about something that God has put on my heart for you. Um, you know, there is, a, there is absolute power in words. You, you believe that, don't you? I mean, the Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue, and so, you know, with, uh, with one word, you can absolutely change somebody's life. Uh, you can change it for the positive or you can change it for the negative. And the reason that that's so true and the reason that what words are so powerful is because you and I were created in the image of God. And so that means that our, our Father, our, our God, when he created everything, he created it with a word. He spoke and it was. And so you and I are created in the image, in the imago Dei of our God. And so you and I have the power to be able to change the atmosphere, change the climate with the words that we use. And so words have power. Words have power. <clears throat> I know in my life I've had people that have said things to me. Pastor Rich, uh, Pastor Donna said things to me just make me feel better about myself. But so I want to do something with you this morning. Um, I want to do kind of like a word association with you guys. Now, um, here's the thing. Uh, last summer, last summer, I learned a word. Words have power. Say words have power. <clears throat> I learned a word last summer that I did not know. But I thought all these years that word described me and I didn't even know it. And I learned this word. The word was foodie. And I said, what? I said, what is a foodie? And they said, well, 
you know, a foodie is somebody who really like, who likes food a lot. I said, well, I like food. And they said, well, how much? I said, well, when I'm having breakfast, I'm thinking about lunch. They said, you're a foodie. <clears throat> and so I, so I love food. And, you know, it really freed me a little bit because I said, you know what? It's not that I'm, I'm not overweight. I'm fluffy because I like food. Praise Jesus. <laughs> And so I want to do a little word association uh, with you with some, some phrasing from some restaurants and some, some places that foodies like. And so we're going to put these up on the screen. And when you know what it is, I want you to go ahead and just chat it, shout it out and tell me what it is. Here's the first one. McDonald's. Some of you in the back, you, you don't go to McDonald's? You don't, you don't like McDonald's? Come on, I'm loving it. Here's, here's the next one. <clears throat> Finger licking it. Come on. See, Pastor Rich knows. Pastor Rich knows. See, see, here's the thing. Back in our day, Pastor Rich, come on, Pastor Rich. Back in our day, it was called Kentucky Fried Chicken. Fried Chicken. See, the colonel, the colonel now, he's trying to go after you millennials, you know. He's trying to be all healthy, you know. And so now he says KFC. No, no, no. It's Kentucky Fried Chicken. So uh, if you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken, tell them they owe me some advertising money today. All right. Here's, here's the next one. Chick-fil-A. Yes, I love me some Chick-fil-A. Uh, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about Chick-fil-A and their culture, tell me, when you go through the drive-thru and you say thank you, what do they say back to you? My pleasure. My pleasure. Man, what would it look like if the church had that kind of attitude? My pleasure. It's my pleasure to serve you. Serve you. All right, now, hold on on this last one. Don't put this one up yet. So this last one. I mean, this one right here is really going to define who the foodies are in this house. Are you ready for it? Here it is. Yeah, who said that? Who said that? Yes, Waffle House. Waffle House. Scattered, smothered, and covered. Now, look, I, I went on Google, and you guys don't have one in this city. I, my, my prayers go out to you. Because, look, I'm about to really bless you. Because when you go into Waffle House, they serve the most amazing hash browns. I mean, they are phenomenal. And, you know, people that just kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, they'll go in there and they'll take them. They're called all the way. But people, foodies, they know how to order their hash browns. And they say, no, 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 I don't want them all the way. I want them scattered on the grill, smothered with onions, and covered with cheese. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started thinking about that, and I thought, no, what? you know what? I like that because that's God. I thought, that's the church right there. We're scattered. We're smothered with love and covered with the Holy Ghost. So, so if you want a title for the sermon today, scattered, smothered, and covered. You know, I was thinking... When I, was, uh, when I was thinking about these words, if I could sit down with Jesus and say, Lord, uh, when you think about me, what word, what word goes through your mind when you think about JR? You ever thought about that? What, what does God think about you? If he could say this, when I say this word, it reminds me of Rich Brown. When I say this word, it reminds me of Pastor John. What word would that be? You know, I, I have a tendency to think that Jesus really likes me. He really likes me. I mean, we're like, orale, Jesus, how you doing today? I mean, we're like that close. And so, uh, so you know, I was thinking, maybe, this is the way I see it. This is just me. 
I think Jesus would look at me and he'd go, you know what, son? When I think about you, I think about Isaiah 40, 31. Those who mount up with wings like, like eagles, y'all, like eagles. Come on, remember the Titans? See, I don't sing my wife does, but I think I do. Uh, what word would that be for you? You know, I think about Pastor Rich, known him for 14 years. I think, Pastor Rich, I think Jesus would go, Rich, son, I think about a lion for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes I think, you know, I, I really want to be like, really like, you know, taking the kingdom of God by force, you know, like really advancing the kingdom. I'm thinking maybe Jesus would look at me and go, you know, because I know you so well, because I know you so well, Jr. this is what I think about you. I think about you, Jr. you are a vato for Jesus. A victorious vato for the victorious Jesus. Hallelujah. Watch out. Yes, I love it. Actually, uh, there, Jesus already has two words um, that he used to describe us. Two words that he used to describe us when he thinks about us. When he thinks about me and when he thinks about you, he thinks about these two words all the time. You see, there's a, there's a biblical interpretation um, method called the first mention principle. And anytime you want to know what Jesus really meant, what God really meant, you go to the very first time that he said it. And you're going to know. So the very first time that Jesus was talking about us, he used these two words to describe us. He says, you, you, you're the salt of the earth. You, you're the light. You're the light of the world. Let me show you what I'm talking about. It's found in Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. He says, you, you are the salt of the earth. Now, I want you to understand something about this text. Because a lot of times we... Um, if we're not careful, we kind of, and it's okay, absolutely, you should open up your word and you should read it as a conversation with God. But, but listen, he wrote this to a people. He wrote this to us as a people, as his church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against So the word you there, if you look it up in the original text, it's actually a plural word. It, it basically is like y'all. I mean, if there was a West Texas, they go, y'all, y'all are the salt of the earth. How, why is that important? Because if we, look, have you ever been to a restaurant and gotten a salt shaker and only one grain came out? I mean, that's bad customer service. <laughs> Listen, we, are, we do this together. There's power in us, right? There's power when we do this in the name of Jesus. And so he says, listen, the other thing, he says, you need to see that you're a part of something way bigger than you. Right. You're part of something way bigger than you. He says, you, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Can we go to the next slide, please? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. What an amazing statement. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, say, in the same way. Let your light shine before others. You understand this is a command. This is not an option. He says, he says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your, say it with me, good works. 
so they may see your good works. Important words there, those two words, good work, underline those. The word works there is where we get our word for, for energy. Uh, basically saying what you put your efforts to, uh, is God wants to see that. But yes, here's the thing is people need to see that. And then he defines it. He says good works. Can I just tell you something, everybody? The best work that you and I can ever do is building the kingdom of Jesus. And so that's what he's saying. How do I know that? Because he says, and give glory to your father who is in heaven. See, God gets glory when you and I are being salt and light. We're taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who are far from God. And we got to understand what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ came and he lived the life I should have lived and he died the death I should have died in my place. Three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that he is the son of God and offering the free gift of salvation to anyone who would repent. Amen, everybody. And so, so God gets the glory when we do that. So Jesus is saying this. When I think about Grace Point, and he's talking about y'all. I kind of lost my y'all, you know, since I moved to, but I, you know, it's coming back. You know, like I, I've been, over the last two days, I've even used the word fixing that. <laughs> when God thinks about you, Grace Point, he says, this is, this is what I think about Grace Point. They're the salt of the earth. They're the light of the world. Yes. So what's he saying, everybody? He's saying there should be a marked difference about you that gets the attention of people, and they ask you about Jesus, right. and you tell them they come to faith, and people will give glory to God. Yes. There should be a marked difference about us. Why is that important? Because God has called us to influence our world. In order to do that, we have to be different. We have to live like salt. We have to live like light. The apostle Paul, when he was talking to his young protege, Timothy, he wanted to mark out for him what that difference looked like, what that difference looked like from this is what a salt person looks like. This is what a light person looks like. And he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, let no one despise you for your youth, but let the, let the believe, set the believers. I want you to notice something. Who he's, he's talking to young Timothy. He's a young pastor. But watch what he's saying. He says, you as a, as a Christ follower, right? He's talking to Timothy, right? He says, you set an example for who, everybody? For the believers. Why is that important for us to get that, everybody? Because it starts here. In other words, if we can't do it here... There's no way that we're going to do it out there. And if we do it out there and then we don't do it in here, then it's not real. We're just putting on a show. We're just kind of just making it our own show. Oh, look at Jr. the Christian. He's so holy. No, no, no. Listen, we do it. It's got to be in here. He says, you, Timothy, set the example for believers in the local church. And watch what he says. The word example there means pattern. He says, this is the difference between people who are salt and light and people who are not. Their speech is different. The way they talk. In other words, they understand that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And so in every word that they say, they build people up. They don't tear people down. They build people up. They don't tear people down. The, The words that they say, the words that they use in here, it follows them. The language, it follows them into the place where people that are not Christ followers are. 
And so that means, everybody, that nothing out there influences us, right? right. Jesus said, if salt has lost its flavor, it's not any good. So when we go out there, we don't participate in their jokes. We don't participate in their language. You know, here's the thing is, that, you know, we have this tendency to want to fit in. We want to be relevant. I get that. But God never called us to be irreverent while we were trying to be rev- relevant. We are to, we're God's people, everybody. And in here is where it starts. The way I talk to Pastor Rich, the way I talk to, to you guys, the way that we communicate. Is there, is there ever times that we miss it with one another? Of course. You miss it with your family, like your natural family. You're not kicking them out, are you? If we do, it's a different message. I need to go to the Bible and go to a different <laughs> message. In our speech, let's, let's put this text back up there. In the way that we talk, in our conduct, come on now, in how we conduct ourselves in here. If we can't get it right in here, we're not going to get it right over there. What is it, what's that conduct talking about? Here's the, here's the greatest conduct that you and I can do in here that we can take out there. Number one is honoring people. Yeah. Honoring people, the way that we honor people, respecting people, the way that we treat people, the way that we love people, the way that we respond to people, the way that we serve people. I've always believed that the greatest example that Jesus set me for me is serving. Because he said about himself, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Let me ask you a question. When you come to church, what do you come for? You, do you come? We need to come in here and go, where, who can I serve? Where can I serve? How many people do I, can I reach out and touch? That happens in here. And if we can do it in here, everybody, we're going to take it out there. I mean, just look at our master. I mean, he went out there. He had all of these. I mean, he had them. The kids taught me a word last night at the conference. He had them on 100. <laughs> he, he did. All right. Let's move on. In love. In love. Now, the Bible has different words for for love. This word right here is the word agape. You know what that means, everybody? It's unconditional love. That has to be said in here. We need to love each other unconditionally. That simply means that when I come and I see Pastor Rich, I don't expect anything from him. I just love him. Why? Because that's the way that Jesus loves me. Amen. All right. In faith, I have this phrase that I use for my church, and that is, are, are you an on-growing disciple? Are you an on-growing disciple? In other words, have you grown since last week? Have you grown since last month? Have you grown since last year? Can you look at your life and go, you know what? Not only can I see the growth in my life, but people have commented, and I see the fruit of my spiritual growth. And then lastly, and we could spend a lot of time right here, impurity. If there's a place where purity needs to be set an example, it's in church. Amen? Amen. So Paul says to Timothy, he says, this is what salt looks like. This is what light looks like. They're amazing in their speech and their conduct and their love and their faith and their purity. And it starts here. Then, then he says, you, you are the salt of the earth. Now, when we hear the word salt, we were like, you know, I got the little packets. You know, it doesn't mean much to me. But when Jesus said it, it meant a lot. You see, back in those days, salt was used. Actually, that's how they paid the Roman soldiers. You ever heard the, the phrase, they're not worth their salt? That's where that came from. So here's, here's what we learned from when Jesus was saying to these people, this is what they got. Number one, they said, you know what? When Jesus sees me, he sees that I'm precious. I'm valuable. 
I have value. Listen, everybody. I have value to God, and I have value to this world. Yes. It's, it's, it's valuable. Uh, secondly, salt preserves. We live in a very decaying world. All you have to do is just turn on the TV, open up a newspaper, and you know what, you know what, our, what our world needs? It needs salty people. Yes. It, needs, it needs people. You know, I was talking to my daughter, and you know, she, she, my daughter, she's 29. She's trying, to, she's trying to keep me, like, in the loop with words. Like, she even tries to, she helps me dress. Like, she's the one that, you know, told me about these boots. You know, she said, Dad, you got to look cool. You can't. You know. <laughs> and so she has this phrase that she uses when, whenever she feels like I'm not speaking the way she wants me to speak to her. And she goes, Dad, you're being salty. <laughs> So I told her, I said, you know, honey, I said, my babe, that's what I call her. You know what, my babe, Jesus has given me permission to be salty. I told her, in fact, I'm going to do a T-shirt. It's going to say salty saints for the Savior. Because we're to preserve. We're to preserve. Amen. Salt is also palatable. In other words, we need to, we're, we're to go out there and add flavor because we have flavor in here. That's a flavorless world out there. And people that are far from God, they're going, you know what? I don't know where to turn. They need to see somebody who's enjoying their Christ life. You know, it's like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. Look, let me, can I, can I just meddle for a moment? You guys all right with that? Okay. It's all right. Okay. You know, I, I tell my church all the time, you know, especially during worship going, you know, I get it. You know, some people were like, this is the way they clap. And this is the, I mean, that's an old song. Isn't that old song? <laughs> they clap like this, you know. Some people say, well, you know, I just don't feel moved by the spirit. To, okay. All right, all right. So does the spirit move you when your team scores a touchdown? Is that like the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Because I tell my church all the time, the way I see it, I don't know how to do life without that word right there. And that word says to me, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Dance before the Lord. I mean, that's, it teaches me to worship. And so we need to have flavor in here. If we don't have flavor in here, we don't have flavor out there. Salt also penetrates. That's how it preserves. And we need to get into this world, and we need to penetrate the darkness, this, this world with the gospel, the love, the speech of people who are following Jesus. He says, you're the salt of the world. Yeah. Salt of the world. That word for world there, it's interesting. It's not, it's not talking about, some translations say earth, but it's not talking about all of this. Actually, the word means territory. Yeah. You know what that means? That means that where you are is where you're supposed to be. God placed you there. You are not there by accident. You understand that? You don't live in the neighborhood that you live by accident. You don't go to the school you go by accident. You don't work at the job that you work by accident. Maybe that's true for people who are far from God, but not you. Why? Because the steps of the righteous are ordered by God, and he delights himself in that. And so you are in that territory. Those are your territories. David says, you know what? My boundaries have been laid before me. David got it, right? He says, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. So right where you are, this is what God is saying to you. Be salty right where you are. Grace Point, you understand that. Well, you know, what if we were on the loop or what? Okay, whatever. But God has you here. God has you right here. Family church is located in a shopping center. We're in a shopping center in the corner. Across the street from us is a liquor store. Right down the street is a Chinese, I mean, right down the way is a Chinese restaurant, a Mexican restaurant. I mean, there's all kinds of smells going on there. But you know what's really happening is that God placed us in that corner and people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ because we need to be salt right where we are. 
You need to be salt at the school that you're at. Well, you know, we were, Pastor JR, we prayed and we looked at the scholarships and we looked at the, you know, what programs. Well, praise God that you did that. You need to use some wisdom. But at the end of the day, it was God who placed you there. It's God who placed you in that neighborhood. Do your neighbors know that you're salt and light? You're the salt of that territory. And then he says, and you're the light of the world. The word world there is the word cosmos. And actually speaking about world order. He says, people don't know how to do life. They're just lost. They're just walking in darkness. And so this is what I've called you to be. I've called you to be light. And watch what he says. He says, let your light shine before men. In other words, he's saying, you go before them because they don't know which to, they don't know, they, they have no idea how to do a God honor in marriage. One time I was on an airplane. Sylvia and I have been married 39 years. In January, it'll be 40. We got married when we were 10. <clears throat> no, <laughs> actually, close. I was 18, she was 16. Um, and um, about five years ago, I think it was like five or somewhere around there, I was on a, on a plane and, and, uh, and I was reading this book on, on, on relationships because I really love to speak. Sylvia and I really love to talk about marriages because God healed our marriage. And uh, we have an amazing marriage. And, and so I was reading this book, and this flight attendant came by, and she goes, she looked at my book, and it was called The DNA of Relationships. And, um, and so she looked at the book, and she goes, are you a marriage counselor? And I said, I said no, 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 I'm, I'm not a marriage counselor. I said, I'm actually, I'm a pastor. I said, but I'm reading this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be teaching some people about how to have the marriage that God wants you to have and that you desire to have. And she goes, oh, she goes, so how long have you been married? And I think it was 35 years at the time or something like that. I said, I, I said 35 years. She goes, to the same woman? <laughs> I said, yes, to the same woman. And I'm not lying. She went, she got two more flight attendants. This is him. This, I felt like I was like, in, like in, on display. This is him right there. That's the guy. He's been married to the same woman for 35 years. People don't know how to do marriage. People don't know how to raise kids. They need you and I to show them, but we got to do it first. And then what we do, they don't know how to do life. They don't know that. They don't know what to, how, what's right, what's wrong. You and I need to teach them. But Jesus says, let your light shine before men. See, our tendency as the church is we want to be a floodlight. Sinner, yeah. Yeah. aren't you glad that Jesus didn't do that to you? I am. My Bible says it was the kindness of God that led me to repentance, right? If my brother-in-law led me to Christ. He didn't beat me up over the head when my Bible said, Jerry, you're just a sinner. You're just a sinner. You know, it took him some time to get my attention. The first time he came, he was bashing a, a religion that, that, you know, I kind of grew up with. The second time he came, and he's trying to be more loving, and he caught me, and I was drunk. And he said, he said you know what, Jerry, I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you. I'm like, Jesus loves you too, man. He loves everybody. <laughs> Did you hear the Doobie Brothers? Jesus is just all right. <laughs> And then the third time he came, he said, let me just show you something. He took me to John 3, 16. He said, but when I pointed these certain words, I want you to change the words there to J-R. And I read it out loud. For God so loved J-R that he sent his one and only son, that if J-R would repent, J-R would not perish, but he'd have eternal life. For God did not send Jesus to condemn J-R, but to save him. That's being the light of the world. Amen. Amen. So let me give you three, three pastoral points for you to kind of just hold on to this. How am I doing on time, Pastor Rich? I'm good. Number one, here's what Jesus is saying. Your distinctiveness 
will make a difference. Your distinctiveness will make a difference. If you're living a salty life, if you're being light. Well, Pastor JR, I've been doing that, you know, for 5, 10, 15 years. And, you know, I still got, can I just tell you, I'm, I'm hoping he'll be here for second service. My brother lives in Colorado City, Texas. That's where I grew up, Colorado City, Texas. When I was growing up, there was 2,500 people there, and that was counting all the fish in the lake. And so, <clears throat> but um, it, took, it took 17 years for my brother to come to faith in Jesus. 17 years. And this is what I knew. I mean, at the beginning, he was like, okay, brother, you do you. I'm going to do me. Like, I mean, Sylvia's family, you know, they would run from us. You know, they were like, okay, here they come, the crazy people. But this is what we knew, a promise from God. Yeah. You and your household yes. will be saved. Amen. And that I would bear fruit and much fruit and fruit that would remain. Yeah. That's people. You understand that, right? Yeah. God's greatest treasure is people. And here's, this is how we got, got to go through life is that knowing that when I live different, my distinctiveness will make a difference. Yes. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 2. He says, do everything without murmuring or questioning <laughs> the providence of God. Get, get that, everybody, the providence of God, yeah. where you are, so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and godless, innocent and uncontaminated children of God, without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation, among whom you are seen as bright lights, beacons shining out clearly in the world of darkness, holding out, say holding out, and offering. You see, it's not just, just enough that you hold it out. You got to offer it to people. You got to offer them the word of God and offering to everyone the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to rejoice greatly because I did not run my race in vain nor labor without result. He didn't do it. Paul didn't run without, without result and neither were you. Your distinctiveness, when we hold out the word of God, we have God's promise. My word will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I sent it out to do. Your distinctiveness will make a difference. Number two, your distribution is by design. Your distribution is by design. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. I've experienced that over the course of my life. At, the fir- at first, I didn't see it. I didn't get it. I'm like, why am I here? This is, why did this turn out this way? But we have, to get, we have to understand that God is really in control of our lives. So I, I had been a Christ follower for probably about eight years or so. Uh, maybe, I think maybe six or seven. And, and uh, I, was, I was around 28, 29 years old. And, uh, and I, met this, I met this man. His name was Bill Stanford. And I, was, I met him because he was a member of the Full Gospel Businessmen Association. You guys remember that? And so I met, I met Brother Bill. Back then, we used to call each other Brother Bill, you know, Brother, Brother JR, Brother Bill. So I met Brother Bill, and, and so he was like almost 70. He's an amazing man of God. And so he said, you know what, little brother? That's what he called me. He said, I'm going to disciple you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to show you what it means to, to serve Jesus. And Brother Bill, on Tuesday nights, he would do jail ministry in Plainview, Texas. This is where I was living at the time. I was working for the newspaper there. And, uh, and he said, I'm going to show you how to, how to love people. He said, I want you to come with me on Tuesday nights. We're going to go do jail ministry. And so I went with him and the first few times. And, and so he, he taught. There was about 10 guys that would show up, you know, and he would teach the word. They all knew Brother Bill. They'd come up. Hey, Brother Bill. They all called him Brother Bill, you know. And, oh, this is, this is J.R. He's, he's a young man. You know, he's going to help me. How you doing, Brother J.R.? It's great, you know. And so then Brother Bill found out that I played four chords on the guitar. I learned from the Roy Clark Big Note guitar book. True story. 
I mean, you play four chords, you can play a country western song, I'm telling you. And so he said, I want you to bring your guitar, and I want you to lead the guys in singing. And I said, Brother Bill, I don't sing. He goes, oh, it'll be fine. Just get your song sheets. Anybody remember song sheets? So I got my song sheets, you know, and so we would go there. This is the day. This is the day. And so I was just leading the guys. And so um, a, few, a few months in, down, you know, in, in doing this, you know, um, Brother Bill calls me. And it was Tuesday afternoon. I was at the newspaper working. And he says, little brother, I can't make it today. I'm not feeling well. I said, okay. He goes, don't listen. I, I want you to go, and I want you to do it all. I said, Brother Bill, I, I don't know how to do what you do. He's little brother, you see me. You got the word of God in you. Just go and talk to the guys. They know you. It's going to be fine. And I said, okay. And so I was like, okay. So what I do? I thought, I don't know. I, what I know? I know what I know. John 3, 16. <laughs> Jesus loves you. I love you. Let's go home. I mean, we're good. And so I show up to the jail. And uh, I, we had this little badge that they gave us to go in, right? And so normally I just go up, how you doing? Go on in. But they stopped me and they said, hold on. This morning we had some problems in the jail out in the courtyard. And so everybody's on lockdown. I'm go, okay, thank you. <laughs> we say you bye. I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> and no, 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 no. Listen, we still, you're still going to do your thing with your, your church service. Um, however, the guys have been on lockdown. Everybody has. And uh, the only thing that we're going to allow them to come out for is church service. Uh, so you might have a few more. I said, well, how many more? Well, we don't know. I had 10 song sheets. So I walk in there, you know, and I'm getting my stuff ready. And, and I noticed typically there was just two guards in there with me. But I noticed that there's two guards here and then two guards at the door. And I'm going, what's going on here? You know? And so all of a sudden, these guys just start coming in. There's about 50 of them showed up. And so I'm like, okay, everybody, let's, and you know, my 10 regular guys are up front. They're going, oh, Pat, oh, Brother JR, you're going to do great, Brother JR. It's going to be fine. You're going, okay, thank you. Please sit right here. You know? <laughs> so, so, so we start singing, and those guys that never, they're like this. <laughs> Reminding me of some church members. They're like. <laughs> and there's, there's one guy, there's one guy that's standing in the back. Now, remember, I got two guards here, two guards at the door. That guy's standing back there at the back, and he's got a guard on either side of him. And he's standing back there, you know, got his little tattoos, you know, little drops coming down here. And he's just staring at me. And like, can we go home? This is the day that I go home to Jesus. And so then it's time for me to preach, and I've never preached a message in my life at this point. And so I get up there, and I go, okay, guys, I'm going to talk to you from John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16? My 10 guys, oh, yes, Brother J.R., it's a great scripture. So I just, you know, for God so loved the world. And then something happened. This boldness, I look back now and I realize it was boldness. At the moment, I thought, what are you doing, stupid? <laughs> because I start talking and I said, listen, let me just tell you something. And my voice got elevated. And I said, you know, there's some of you guys in this room, you think you're bad. Let me tell you who's bad. The devil is bad, and he will chew you up and spit you out unless you turn to the, to the one who was badder than anybody and walk this planet, and his name is Jesus Christ. My 10 guys up front, they're like. <laughs> so I finished that message, and, and I'm, I'm packing up, and my 10 guys come up, and they go, Brother J.R., you did such a good job. That's awesome. Good job. Oh, thank you. And so, so I'm packing up, and. And everybody's filing out. Some of the new guys are coming by there, and they're going, hey, that was really good. We're going to come back next week. I really, really appreciate that. And that guy's standing back there, and he's staring at me the whole time. And I'm like, 
And then there's nobody in there but me, the four guards up here, that guy, and those two guards. And he's just standing there. And they're not even bothering him. They're like just, just standing there. And so I'm packing up my little guitar, putting my song sheets in my case. And I look over there, and he starts walking towards me. I'm like, Jesus, can you rapture me right now? Be good, be good, right? And that'd be a good moment for that. And so, so the guy walks, and he's walking, and the guards are coming with him, and they put their hands on him. He goes, I just want to ask the man a question. So he comes up to me, and he, he's just standing right in front of me, Pastor Rich, and he goes, do you really believe that? I said, believe what? He said, that God loves everybody. I said, I do. I really do. He goes, everybody? I said, everybody. And uh, he says, well, he says, what if you committed the worst crime possible? And I said, oh, Holy Spirit, I'm here. I said, you know what? I said, to God, sin is sin. Yeah. Amen. He said, what does that mean? I said, to God? I said, it's hard for us to get it, but a lie is just as much of a sin as anything you've ever done in your life. He said, that is hard to believe. I said, I know. He said, what have you done it twice? <laughs> Where's my cards coming here? I said, I said, I said um, you know, I said, it doesn't matter. I said, God loves you. And he goes, okay. And he walked off. And I was happy. <laughs> And I went home and I told Sylvia, I said, honey, you're not going to believe what happened. It was crazy. <laughs> Two years later, Sylvia and I are in United Supermarket. You know, we're just going through there. You know, push, I'm pushing the cart. Sylvia's shopping. I see some spam. I go, oh, praise Jesus, spam. <laughs> foodie, foodie. You know, so. And then all of a sudden, I hear somebody go, hey. And I turn around, and it's that guy. And I turn around and say, Sylvia, Sylvia, you remember that guy I told you about, about Brother Bill, the jail, the guy? That's him right there. And he goes, hey, he starts walking. I go, go see if it, come on, let's go. Let's go to the express line, come on. And the guy comes up and he, he goes, hey. And I turn around and go, how you doing? And he goes, remember me? Said, yeah, yeah, I do, I, I remember you. He said, listen, he said, um, let me tell you something. Um, when I was there and you told me that God loved me, it was hard for me to believe that. He said, I was in the middle of a, really hard case. He said, I, it was self-defense, but the evidence was stacked against me. He said, I was defending myself and my family. He said, and I went to prison. I went to prison. He said, on the first week that I was there, there was a church service, and I went, mm -hmm. and I gave my life to Jesus, Amen. and I asked him to help me, and he said, and new evidence came out that, it, that I defended myself, and he said, and I've been out for six months. Wow. Let me just tell you something. Your distribution is by design. You are exactly where you need to be, holding out the word of life and offering it to people. Amen? Here's what, here's what John, hey, praise God for that. John, this is what Jesus says in John 17. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Past tense. Last thing, your decision must be deliberate. Your decision must be deliberate. In, in, uh, in Acts 1.8, <clears throat> This is what he says, but you, say it with me, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's what he's saying. You have to make a decision. You have to be deliberate about it. You have to, when you leave this place going, okay, this is what happens in this place. The Spirit of God falls on us and we worship him and it's an amazing moment. Okay, now, my deliberate decision is I'm going to go be salt. I'm going to be light. 
I'm going to go to first to my Jerusalem. What is that? It's where you live. It's your, it's your world. Right. Then my Samaria. That's a little further out. And then to the ends of the earth. Where is that? Anywhere that God leads you. Any place that you are. Why is that important, everybody? Because people like that guy in the back, they're waiting for us to be salty. They're waiting for us to be light. You know what they're waiting for? They're waiting for you to be, for you and I to be scattered, smothered, and covered. That's what they're waiting for. So that we can change the world and they will give glory to Jesus Christ. One of the things I tell my church all the time, we have two services like you, same time, 9 and 1045. This is what I tell them. Please do your best not to leave the church today without praying for an empty chair. Pray for an empty chair. There's a chair. Look at all these empty chairs. I know you got second service, but first service, I mean, I, was, I looked at, you know, driving in, it was raining. We don't get very much rain in Albuquerque. Our total annual precipitation is like seven inches. Seriously, you guys got some rain last night. I know you've been in a drought, but that was scary rain, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> especially when you're driving in it. But I was able to see the population sign, and so you guys have somewhere around 117,000 people. I don't know if you've ever done this. I did it for Albuquerque. Albuquerque, uh, the, the, the whole metropolitan area of Albuquerque, 750,000 on any given Sunday. On any given Sunday, there's over half a million people not in church. There's, there's people out there waiting. There's people that are out there that are far from God. People like that guy. They're just waiting for you and I to go in. All they need is just somebody to tell them, God loves you and we love you. Come with me to church. Come and see the Savior. Come and experience his amazing love. Show them. Love them. Bring them in. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you so much, God, for loving us. We thank you, Father, that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus.